When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the first thing I'm going to ask you, Tom, is uh, what are you at? <laughs> Shag all. <laughs> Shag all. I'm up, to, I'm up to nothing. I'm sitting at my desk right now. <clears throat> okay. Printing, okay. Off, uh, printing off stuff for the show. When we have people like yourself on, we go talk about their career. So let's go way back to your Mondays, the Memorial University days. That's where you got your first taste of radio. You were uh, programming folk music for the radio station. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So tell us how that came to be. Well, my brother was a uh, uh, was on CHMR, the, the campus station there, and he uh, he had a show, a great show called the Saturday Afternoon Morning Show, which was a show for people who, um, like I said, stayed up a little bit late on Friday night, and you know they needed something to wake up with, and it was just really good. And he was doing the morning for a while, the morning news, and when I listened to him, I just loved, I loved radio. I loved that he was able to do that. Um, and I, uh, I, w- I was, the, I was that guy who read the announcements after reading the announcements in high school. So I kind of, like, you know, I don't know. There was, there was something kind of calling me. And when I got to university, uh, when I got to Mon, I asked if I could do a show about folk music, and I did this show called Dosey Don't, um, <laughs> where I, well, yeah, where, where we we played country music and, and and a lot of bluegrass music and a lot of Irish folk music, and it was um. I mean, it was it was incredible, and I'm I'm a big supporter of the station. Like, the idea that you can just go in there and and they'll let you do a radio show with very little experience is is really liberating. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely worked out for you. And I I'm just trying to remember: was folklore your major or your minor? My major, I did a major in folklore. You know that that incredibly, uh, you know, only because I wanted a job. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was. I wanted to make sure I was employable. Yeah, I decided to go for. Uh, I decided. Yeah, I decided to go for folklore as my major. Of course, you just mentioned about you know Mun allowing you to come into the radio with like very little experience, but that really worked for your benefit because at 21 you joined CBC to host the national folk music program Deep Roots. Uh, you were just a young guy. You're actually the youngest host since Peter Jennings. Uh, were you nervous? Yes, I was really, really nervous. I remember going to the going to the station. And my mom dropped me off, and like I probably had a panic attack. <laughs> just didn't really know what a panic attack was then, but like just crazy anxiety. I had created this playlist of records on iTunes, and I had written a little bit about each one. I was so bad. <laughs> I think I was probably okay for my experience level. But I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd be I'd, like, I'd love to hear it at some point, but I got a feeling that wasn't great. But I, uh, yeah, I, I ended up meeting a meeting a guy at a, a balloting session, like a song session at the Crow's Nest in St. John's. And he was a he was a he was a producer for uh, CBC National. 
and he was in charge of doing the holiday programs. And before that, I had been speaking to a producer named Francesca Swan, who was a great CBC producer, who was looking around for musicians if they wanted to do shows. And my brother, my brother-in-law, Dwayne Andrews, is a great musician, great guitarist from Newfoundland, and he had been asked. And uh, he said no, but you know, my, my brother-in-law is super into into radio. And then you know they were, when when this guy I think his name was Havoc Franklin, I talked to him at the bar and he said, "Do you want to do a, how about a little Easter show, play some folk music?" And he found the space, and people really liked it. And then next thing you know, they're calling me to make the to turn the show into into Deep Roots. Nice. So I'm guessing during the first stage, you mentioned that you were kind of nervous. What do you think? If you got the tape back, do you think there was a lot of ums and ahs and a lot of deep breaths and pauses? No, I think it would be the opposite of that. <laughs> I think it would have been like, I think I would have been like, like reading. Like the thing about doing these kind of shows, as you know, is, you know, you want to sound as natural as you can. And uh, I think you would have heard me go, this, the song was written in 1834 originally, then recorded again in 1915, then recorded again in 1928 by the esteemed group. You know, like, I probably spoke in a way that no one ever actually speaks. You know, you hear people on the radio and reading, they, they say things that no one actually ever says in real life. You'll hear people say, like, Brian Tobin was a, is, is a podcaster who lives in Ottawa. Tobin told me the other day that he blah, blah, blah. But, like, when was the last time you were in a bar and someone said to you, I was talking to Jerry Connors here the other day. Connors was telling me he's going to the Baltimore, you know, like, so I probably just did a lot of that really super scripted radio stuff. Now, in 2011, three years later, you're the host of Radio 2 Morning. Tell us how you got this gig and did you have to adjust your style? I was a Deep Roots host for, uh, yeah, three years, I guess. And I got uh, contacted by the by my boss at the CBC, a guy named Mark Steinitz. He's still my boss. The previous host had left, like the previous host, a guy named Bob Mackwitz, had left the show. And he said, you know, are you, are you interested in, in auditioning for it? Because I had been doing some guest hosting. Like, I had been going up to Toronto for a week here and there to guest hosting the Radio 2 Drive show. Because my friend Michelle Parisi put me on there one time, so they put me on Drive. They put me on the morning show. I think they saw something. I might have had something. And, yeah, they brought me in. The, the real style adjustment was probably a positive one. Like, I had to go from being super scripted again like reading to trying to feel like you're conversing with someone so i worked really hard with a, like a one of my like another person here like one of my one of my senior producers you know we sat down and, and she's really brilliant and we sat down and like i would read something that i had written and she would say like just put the paper down and just talk to me like tell me how you would say that if you were talking in a bar if you were talking at you know at a show or something like that so the real change was was just how I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I only spoke to one person at a time. That and up to that point in like my entire life, like mainly my, I was, I was only kind of a radio host up until then. I was also like as much, if not more of a professional musician. I had to escape the idea that I just knew more about folk music and I had to, you know, talk about other genres of music as well. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Cause I mean, I, I noticed when you go from a different Platform, or if you're doing a different show, sometimes people like the same old same, and then some people like to, to make that adjustment, not like to totally change your style, but to just try to adjust to that, to what they're trying to offer. I think that, I think you want to make, like, going to the morning show made me think about, like, what, what, what are people doing while they listen to the show? And that show wasn't podcasted, so it was, 
people were doing one thing. They were they were getting ready for work or they were going home from work. They were getting breakfast. They were getting their kids ready. They were making coffee. Or I really liked the people who were coming home from like, who were bakers who were already at work, people who work at night shift, right? But no one was listening to that morning show with 100% of their attention. Like they weren't, Deep Roots was a thing that if you were into folk music, you would sit down and listen to. You're a year into your tenure as a Q host. Congrats on that. What's it been like and what are some of the challenges? It's been the most fulfilling work I've ever done in my life. I wake up every morning feeling so lucky. Um, I, feel, I wake up every morning feeling so privileged that I get to do this. It's great. Like I, 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 find I love every second of it. The challenges, you know, there's a lot of them. But the one that sticks out to me is the show, the morning show was me and one other person. The radio morning show was me and a producer named Lauren Hancock from, from Halifax, Nova Scotia, two East Coasters. And we, well, she's from Fall River. But we, we, you know, we spent a lot of time making that show, just the two of us, and we were just kind of accountable to one another, right? On this show, we got about 13, 14, 15 people, right? Uh, writing and researching and booking guests and producing. Like, you know, we do four or five or six interviews a day, right? We have a big team, and they're really brilliant. A lot of them, they come from different backgrounds in almost every different way. And like, professionally, they come from different backgrounds. Some of them were in news. Some of them were in current affairs. Some of them are brand new to radio. Some of them, you know, were in print. Some of them have been at the CBC for a million years. Some of them come from the arts. Some of them don't. I think the challenge for me is that, like, the, the idea that I'm accountable to someone else other than myself, you know? Like, on the morning show, I was accountable to me and to the listener. And on this show, I'm accountable to me and to the listener. And I want to do right by the really incredible staff that I have here. So it's, it's nice. It's, it's a great help to have them with you. But also, it's daunting because you want to do right by them. And challenge, you know, to be honest, like, you know, just it's a new set of skills for me, you know, it's like learning a new instrument. So, you know, I was, I think when I picked it up, when I, when I started the show, I was better than just playing Smoke on the Water on the guitar, you know, <laughs> but I hadn't quite figured out the Crazy Train solo yet. And, you know, I'm trying, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to tap here on the Q show. Everyone kind of has their own, uh, I guess, interesting host. I think you're the third host now besides uh, Gameshi and Chad. What kind of style do you bring compared to those two? Because some people really like Gameshi's interview styles. Some people like Chad for his kind of musical background. So what is it that you think is your strongest asset? Uh, first off, I want to say that I don't think there's anything to like about Gian Gameshi. But, uh, but finally, I, I, I think that in terms of what I brought to the table I uh, I also can, I'm, a, I'm a performer I can talk to people in a way that they understand I I think Shad it was a great interview as well I think that like if you're able to talk to people on their level if you if you're able to talk to them not as fans or not as critics and just talk to them as as humans you're you're going to get something good out of people and I think what we've been able to do successfully here is try to have more human story-based conversations with people try to kind of demystify the idea of an artist demystify the idea of of you know you often hear people say like oh he was a god of the guitar or she was a you know she was an icon of the guitar you know something like that and, you know they're just they're just people they, they have they have favorite chocolate bars is how i like to think about it, you know and we just want to get you want to get the favorite chocolate bars from them 
Okay, and speaking of uh, chocolate bars, in a different way of rephrasing this question, and hopefully it comes across the right way, um, who are some of your favorite chocolate bars to interview? <laughs> who are some of my favorite interviewers, or what? Yeah, yeah for sure. So subjects or, or interviewers? Uh, subjects and interviewers, either one. I, I really enjoyed having Katie Lang on the show. I love talking to Katie Lang. I loved having Sonny Rollins on the show. I really enjoyed that. I love whenever Jay Baruchel has shown up a few times, and he's always kind of wacky and funny and go way off topic, and I really like talking to him. I, mean, I like anyone who comes in with a story. I like anyone who's honest. I like anyone who's not playing a character when they sit down. And most of the people who sit down in front of me are pretty real, real people and are willing to be real people. Do you have any kind of interesting or funny stories to share, like maybe a time that you were a bit late or something that happened that shouldn't have happened on the show? Um, that's a good question. Anything like that? What's something that's, that's something that happened like that? Katie Lang told me in the interview that she doesn't like do. She told me that it's really painful. She told me that the interview she was doing with me was super painful. <laughs> she was like, I, I hate doing this. And I think like I think there's a tendency to go like, What do you mean you hate doing? Yeah, What's exactly. But I was like. Man, I know. I hated doing it too. Like when I was on the road, having to do press was time I wasn't practicing, or time I wasn't sleeping, or time I wasn't you know relaxing. I understand that it's and it's it's kind of a it's kind of an artificial conversation. You know that. You know, like the way you can we can be as easy going as we want on the on the line, but like you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's an artificial way of talking to someone. Once I I said that to her, I said like I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I get that. I do, though, think there's value in all these incredibly brave things that she's done. Talking about coming out to her mom, talking about being scared of releasing records, talking about embracing singing. You know, very brave things. And I think people's lives have been changed because of the decisions that she made. That she made decisions that other people have made their own decisions based on. That, that was a really interesting way because in the moment I felt like she was kind of admitting that she didn't want to be there. And then once we acknowledged that it's not a really natural thing to do. We ended up we ended up going somewhere really great. Uh, I gotta ask this just from a broadcasting point or as a host myself because you know sometimes you do get the awkward interviews. I had one with Chris Pronger before where I felt like he was gonna punch me in the face. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it was it was interesting. Um, what happened? Uh, so I, I remember we were doing this story. We were doing something about him and the Peterborough Peets, and mm-hmm. I asked him who is the most difficult player you ever played against, uh, or yeah, something something along those lines. And he kind of answered me back of saying, "I'm the best player ever," or like I've never had anyone difficult to play against. Now. Being a Steve Eiserman fan, and we were in Peterborough, I kind of took that a little bit to heart. So I was like, really? Not even Steve Eiserman? And I said, and he just kind of nodded me off. I was like, don't you remember the time you tried to check him and you busted your knee? And then uh, he kind of got a little bit mad. And uh, he was like, okay, your next question better be a good one. And I was like, oh, no. The interview went from, hey, we're honoring Chris Pronger to, I'm going to really punch this kid out because he just asked me about something that I didn't want to talk about. Did you learn anything from that? Uh, Yeah, in a way I did. I I guess I kind of chose like don't be a little bit too biased because I mean at that point I was really into Iserman and I, I kind of took it to heart uh, but at the same time I, I wouldn't take it back because I feel like with sometimes with an interview you have to not be such more like of a fanboy but just be kind of ask them the, the questions that you want answers to I think you're definitely right that's, that's, that's good uh, that's, that's good instinct 
Yeah. So have you had anything like that ever happen? Not someone no. punching you out or anything, but like an awkward interview that you kind of felt like you had to bring it back in. No, 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 I don't. I can't think of that. I mean, like, you know, there are definitely times where we have, you know, we, we challenge people every day, you know, every day we have, you know, we have often tough conversations with people. And, you know, I had to talk to Wesley Snipes about going to jail and he didn't want to talk about it, you know, but I knew it was important to talk about. I had to talk to him about tax evasion. You know, there's, there's, there's reasons to talk about these things. And it's not comfortable, Brian. Like, it's not comfortable. And you're scared. You know, I've talked to some of the greatest interviewers ever, and you're still, your heart rate still goes up. But there's power in asking a question like that. You know, there's, you are serving, you're serving the listener. You're serving the people who are listening to it. And you end up by doing the thing that you're most afraid to do, you end up some getting some of like the most beautiful moments. It's it's it can be it can be lovely. So awkward wise, no, I haven't had too many awkward awkward situations necessarily. I'm sure next time you know by the time this goes out, like I'll probably have after having like eight. <laughs> but but you know I haven't had I haven't had anything too bad yet. In the earlier part, I mentioned about Gameshi. Now I'm not going to get into everything with him, uh, obviously, because I don't want anyone to lose a job here. I mentioned that I thought some people liked his interview skills, and you said there's nothing to like about Gameshi. I, I just want to elaborate on that a little bit more. Why do you feel that way? Is it just because of what he did? Yeah, of course. You know, okay. I think that you know when when you when you when you treat people like that, when you do something like that, um, I'm not going to remember the good things. No, that's no. no. I, have a, I have an op- I have an option. No, that's de- and, that's definitely. Uh, I, I agree with you because it's like the same case of with uh, Bill Cosby. I mean, you can remember the Cosby show, but looking at what's happened now, do you really look at that as such a great, like you know, as a great guy? Yeah, and what do you what, what do you get by acknowledging it? I mean, you know, what 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 are you really gaining? Unless you can kind of gain some greater perspective by acknowledging something like that, but I can't. And you know, the guy made some of my close friends' lives a living hell. And he he hurt a lot of people, you know, and people that I know, and even people I don't know. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything good to say about him. Tom, you have a, another interest that ties into folk music. As a newfie, um, I totally can see why. Tell people what else you got going on. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a band called, I've been in a band for a really, really long time. It's called the Dardanelles. We play traditional Newfoundland music, and I mean, I did a lot more of it before I started hosting Q. But I love it, you know. I, 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 that's my that's my first love is music, is performing music, you know. That's that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, we still play every now and then. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the one of their weddings. Yeah, I, I I love them. You know, they're my best friends, and I've made music with them, and I love collaborating with them, and I love performing with them, and occasionally we get to do it in front of people. It's great. We've seen some great Newfoundlanders coming out of the province. Rick Mercer, Mark Critch. Do you think Newfoundland is like an untapped resource for talent in a way? I think we're well tapped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I don't think we're untapped at all. I think we've been tapped <laughs> pretty pretty heavily. You know, I think that I think that you know, there's a lot of Newfoundlanders working in national media and, and comedy and performing arts and music. I think it's an amazing thing. I don't, I don't. I don't like to think too much about why it is. Generally, I find Newfoundlanders see a lot of people, regardless of status, as equals. You know, like Newfoundlanders are good at 
meeting a politician or meeting a celebrity and talking to them because they don't see any difference between them and their buddy who works at the fish. Because, <laughs> Brian, there's no difference, right? Yeah, no, I, so I, I agree with you. Lenders are great at that, right? So I think that that helps you in jobs like mine where you have to talk to people, but also it helps you in the, in the arts when, you're, when you go to meet the head of a big production firm and you work, you also Newfoundlanders are, are, have a culture of working so hard, not exclusively the only Canadian culture that has that, but, you know, we, they work terribly hard and they've had to and they come from hardworking people for the most part. When you work really, really hard and you're kind to people, Conan O'Brien said that, right? He said, you know, if you work hard and you're kind... Amazing things will happen, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, I think that you know, Newfoundlanders work really, really hard and they can be in what we call kindness is is fairness and, and equality you uh you just moved up some points on my uh likeness meter for quoting conan because uh <laughs> I, I, my number one man yeah, i i love conan too finally tom to close the interview out uh we're gonna play a game called uh slam or not a slam kind of a riff off of your cbc jam or not a jam so okay. um I don't know how big you are with wrestling, but Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant in WrestleMania. Slam or not a slam? Oh, 100% a slam. WrestleMania, like the further first matchup, like one of the greatest wrestling <laughs> matches of all time. All right. Like, I will watch that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big wrestling fan that. as well. I've actually been watching the Attitude Era the last few days. The other one I got is LeBron James going in alone on a basketball net. That's got to be a slam, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Now, Tom... Are we going to get a not a slam? These are all <laughs> All right. Tom Power going in alone on a basketball net. Oh, not a slam. Not a slam. <laughs> that's, that's what we call a trip. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Tom Power for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying... Look out, Tom. Tobin's coming for your job. Mwahahaha. Thanks for listening, and good night. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.